Do you ever feel in your life that you are being attacked? Do you ever feel what I would call today oppressed? Where there is just this heaviness about your spirit that sometimes you cannot even explain nor even understand. Do you ever wonder why it seems the closer you get to God, the more struggles you might even face in your life? When I was a boy preacher in high school, I preached my first time in an African-American congregation. After this boy preacher sat down, energetic and filled with fire and preaching everything he knew because they preach you to death. And I didn't know a whole lot then. Not a whole lot more today sometimes. But I will never forget what that old black preacher got up and said when I sat down. I've quoted it many times, not only here, but across the country. He said, if you're not having a head-on collision with the devil every day in your life, then that means that you're probably going in the same direction that he is going. This coming October, I will have been a Christian for 26 years. And one of the most astounding and profound observations that the Lord has given to me about being a Christian, I want to share with you an introduction today. Listen to it very carefully. The closer I get to God, the more spiritual attack I face in my life. The closer I get to God, the more I come near to Him, the more spiritual attack I face in my life. I would have never thought that years ago. In fact, years ago, I would have thought that if I could just ever get where even I am today, certainly the devil would be so impressed he would leave me alone and go about his business. Little did I know that I am his business. Little did I know that all of us that are saved, we are his business. I was deceived. I was wrong. I did not understand that simple principle that the closer I get to God, the more spiritual attack I face in my life. Throughout the summer, I've been preaching about how to pray. In fact, this is the 11th message of this series, and we're going to continue it for just a few Sundays more. Today, I want to be very aggressive in the subject that I want to address this morning, and possibly even somewhat too aggressive for a few. But I want to preach on a subject today that I am convinced needs to be preached all across this country because I want to talk to you about warfare praying. Warfare praying. Now, warfare praying consists of you praying against two things in your life. 
First of all, it consists of you praying against Satan. Real warfare praying consists of you praying against the power of Satan, the hold of the devil in your life and around you throughout the lives of other people. And today I want you to get your sword and I want you to look with me to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, I want to read three verses of Scripture for you in a passage that all of you are familiar with. But in Ephesians chapter 6, look with me to verse 10, 11, and 12. And I want to read today from the New American Standard translation. The Bible says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Not your own, but His. Put on the full armor of God. I might add, not the armor of the flesh. Not what you think will work when you get down. Not what you think will work when you're under attack. But put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Let me ask you today, are you standing firm against the schemes of the devil that are playing up against your life today. Notice verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That means it's not against people. Many of us here today, we think the biggest problem we have is with a person. You're wrong. The least of your problems is another person. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But it is against the rulers, it is against the powers, it is against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. In verse number 10, the Apostle Paul calls the church at Ephesus and calls every one of us that read this passage today to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. What that means is for you to have God's power in your life. It means for you to operate in a level of your life whereby you are not under your own authority, but you are being empowered by the Holy Spirit, operating in His authority. And I want to say to every one of us today that if we have Christ in our life, we operate under the greatest authority that has ever been given to man, and that is the name, the blood, and the word of Jesus Christ. Are you operating today in your strength? If you're losing the battle against the devil in your life today, it's happening for one simple reason. You have chosen to follow your strength versus God's power. You have chosen to to handle your own issues the way you think they need to be handled rather than let them be handled by God Himself. Verse 11 tells us to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Are you standing firm? If the truth were known, probably at least three-fourths of us in this room today are being beat by the devil all over northwest Arkansas. I mean, we're not winning. We're not winning whatsoever at all. Our spirits are up and down. 
Our hearts many times are heavy with despair. Sometimes we do not understand what is happening to us. We have begun to point fingers at other people trying to make them the issue of our life. Some injustice that has happened to us, we have taken our ground against it and we have said, oh, I, it's your fault, it's because that's happened. And we don't even understand that we're in a war. You see, the devil is your adversary. Now, there are a lot of people today that may not even believe in a personal devil. If you don't believe in a personal devil, you don't need to believe in a personal God. The devil is real. He is a person. He is not someone that walks down the aisle of the church dressed in his devilish attire as artists have rendered and sits on the front pew of the church and says, Hey church, I'm the devil. What he does, he's very cunning. He's the angel of light. You cannot recognize him at times because he is the greatest uh, masquerade that you could ever find. He is the greatest person who stands out here in the midst of people and you cannot even understand what is happening. And many times he will use you and many times he will use me. He does not care who he uses. He is committed to accomplishing his purpose. Now let me make something clear for you today. Look at his name. What does His name mean? When you understand His name, you will understand something that He's about. The word devil means accuser. It means slanderer. It means to malign. Satan comes and he whispers in your ears accusations. You can't win. You can't do it. You can't live the Christian life. It's just another one of those. Forget it. And then what he does, he brings people in your life and those people many times will pick up what his activity is. And you know what his activity is? They will accuse you. They will malign you. They will slander you. They will say things about you that are not true. They will write things about you that are not true. They will do everything they can to take you down. And all of that has come not because they willfully desired for it to come, but because somewhere in their life they became weak. And rather than standing firm against the devil, they decided they would fight their war in a carnal way. And the devil has deceived them to such a point, and many times he will deceive us to such a point, that we will begin to accuse. We will begin to slander. We will begin to malign. Let me make it very clear today. Anytime any of us accuse, we're being used of the devil. Anytime any of us would slander, we're being used of the devil. Anytime any of us would malign someone, we are being used of the devil. Verse number 12 says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The Bible says that we are to go into war with the devil, hand-to-hand combat with the devil. I want to make it very clear to you today, our battles are never with people. Even when they accuse, even when they slander, and even when they malign. They're foolish enough and ignorant enough, according to the Scripture, to not even being understanding enough that they're being used by the enemy to accomplish His purposes, not the, not the work of God. You'll never find God's people accusing someone of something that's not true, slandering someone about something that's not right. 
maligning someone about something that's totally wrong. I want to tell you today, be very understanding and very clear today with the Scripture. Our war is not against people. And I want to tell you, it takes a real mature believer to understand that and operate that every day in their life. Immature believers love to point fingers and immature believers love to get in the war with people. It's in here in this text today. The devil and his demons. The Bible tells us very clearly that he is the ruler of the powers, the war of forces of the darkness, the spiritual forces of wickedness. And it's all going on in the heavenly places. And listen to this. Paul said in Colossians 3 that we have been raised up to live in heavenly places so we as believers have the opportunity to do warfare with God. Or not warfare with God, but warfare with Satan. Now how are we going to do that? We're going to do it through prayer. That's how we're going to do it. There are four facts this morning that I want you to know, very clear facts about the devil. First of all, you are in a spiritual war with the devil. Can I give you some news today that some of you are not aware of and you're not even open to in your heart? Wake up. You are in a war. Wake up. You are in a war. Alert, alert, alert. You are in a war today against the devil. Number two, your only enemy is the devil. The devil is your only enemy today. He's it. It doesn't matter what happens in my relationship with any person. The devil is my only enemy. It doesn't matter what I say, what anybody else says. The devil is my only enemy. Do you believe that today? Let me give you a third fact. Listen carefully. The devil wants to destroy you, your family, your church, and the work of God across the world. You better wake up, church. You better listen today. You had better have ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the church today. The devil is your only enemy and he wants to destroy you. He's not interested in building you up. He's interested in taking you down. Teenagers and college students, listen to me today. The devil has one goal for your life. Destruction. He has one goal for this preacher. Destruction. One goal for that group. Destruction. He will do anything he can to destroy every one of us. He will do anything he can to destroy your family. You know why your family's gone? Down the rocks? Some of us say, well, my husband wasn't what he ought to be. He's not your problem. My wife isn't what she ought to be. She's not your problem. The reason you have lost your marriage or you're losing your marriage and your family today, and some of you are losing your kids, one reason alone. You're in a war against the devil and you're not claiming your ground. You're not standing firm. He wants to destroy your family. If you want to know what he's up to in my life, he wants to bring me down. He wants to destroy a marital relationship with a woman that I've been married to now 20 years. He wants to take my two boys and literally destroy them. 
And I want to tell you, he wants to destroy this church. He will do anything he can to destroy this church. He will do all he can to cast innuendos, suspicions, questions, rather than trust and faith and mercy and love. You see, he is the one who divides. God is the one who unites. Anything that brings any destruction, any division in personal life, family life, church life, it's of the devil. It is not of God. You can clothe it with your little spiritual talk all you want, but it's out of the pit of hell. You can justify it all you want in your little spiritual logistical minds as you try to warp around the Word of God to say what you want it to say. But I'm telling you, if it divides, it's of the devil. It's never of God. God never, never divides His church. He wants to destroy the work of God across the world. I mean, listen, He knows if He can keep the gospel from being preached to the ends of the earth, the Lord won't come back. Because he knows the moment the Lord comes back, it's bad news for the one called the devil. He will get his final payday, his final mode of destruction. You listen to me today, the devil wants to destroy you. Your family, your church, and the work of God across the world. What is he doing to you? Are you awake today? Do you understand you're in a war today? This is not playing games today. This is real stuff. This is not some fantasy or some fiction somebody's written about. It's real stuff. And if you don't believe it's real stuff, it shows you're right in the middle of it. Because he's lied to you and deceived you and you bought it. You see, today we've got to remember the devil, he plays for keeps. Let me give you a fourth fact about the devil. Even though the devil is alive and well today, his doom is certain. And you got to believe that. Oh, he's alive and well today. He's tearing up people, racking their lives, destroying their lives. I mean, my soul, we could spend all afternoon in here listening to testimonies about what the devil is doing to every one of us. We could talk about how he attacks the church. We could talk about how he is attacking families all across the world, including right here. How he's trying to stamp out the work of God. Oh, let me tell you, he is alive and well, no question. But let me announce it to you in the strong, powerful name of Jesus. His doom is certain. I love what the songwriter Carmen said. Every time the devil points me to my past, I need to point him to his future. And how true that is. One day he will be locked in the gates of hell in a place called hell and the key will be thrown away for all of eternity. His doom is certain. So we, as men and women of God, teenagers for the Lord, children who love Christ, we've got to do warfare praying. You see, here I am, my spirits look to do the heavenly places And I feel these attacks. They're coming and going. Some days you feel like by the end of the day, man, you've been in a war. Wonder why? Is it because you didn't get enough rest? Oh, come on. Or the the boomer thing. Oh, I'm just stressed out. Stressed out? Who do you think created the term? Who do you think has made people bomb today physically, 
emotionally, mentally, spiritually. The devil. And so what you've got to do, you've got to take up your ground. You've got to say, devil, I want to tell you today, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, the one who is the Lamb of God, whose blood has been spilled for all of my sin, you cannot overcome me. You cannot overpower me. I am a child of the King. I am a born-again, saved individual. The blood of Christ covers me. I stand against you in the name of Jesus, and you cannot touch me. You cannot touch my family. You cannot touch my church. You cannot touch the work of God. You are defeated. You have no authority in my life whatsoever at all. And if you do not pray that much aggressively in your life, let me tell you what will happen. You'll lose your life. You'll lose your family. You'll lose your church. And you'll lose the work of God across the world. You see, some of us today, we're very content with losing our families. We're very content with losing our church. We're very content with losing this, losing that. Man, don't be content with that. God wants you to win the battle. God didn't save you to sit there and die in the midst of the battle. God saved you to do one thing, and that is to stand firm against your enemy. And that's why He told us in verse uh, verses number 13 through 18 in this passage to put on the armor of God. You see, the armor of God is our protection. It's our weaponry. And we need to pray this armor onto the lives of our family members and ourselves each day. I've done this for a long time with my family, but every day I do my very best to remember in prayer to pray the armor of God on my family. They need to get dressed for the day spiritually. What's the armor of God? Notice it, verse 14. Lord, would you gird Gina, Josh, Nick, and me today with your truth And God, would you put on Gina, Josh, Nick, and me today your righteousness? And I thank you that my righteousness is in Jesus and not in me. And would you put on Gina, Josh, Nick, and myself today, God, my feet, our feet, would you give us the preparation of the gospel of peace that everywhere we go, we will be willing to share, willing to give a verbal report of the power of Jesus Christ in our life. And God, would you give to all of us in our family today the shield of faith that that will stand there and nothing will be able to come against us. That wherever the missiles come, the shield will be around us. And God, would you place on Gina, Josh, Nick, and me the helmet of salvation. God, that I will be claimed by the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, would you put in our heart And would you put in our briefcases? Would you put in, Lord, our backpacks? Would you put in everything we do? The only offensive weapon you've given us, and that is the Word of the living God. And oh God, would you help us all through this day to pray at all times, in the Spirit, trusting you for victory and not tolerating defeat and failure. That's warfare praying. That's putting the armor of God on your family. Listen, you had better wake up. If you don't put the armor of God on your life every day, listen to me. It's just a matter of time. Listen to me. You are going down. You say, wait a minute, Pastor. I'm doing pretty good. Oh, you're doing good now. The devil's going to let you do good for a long time until he gets you right where he wants you, right where you were right. And then you're going to think you stand, and if you're not careful, you're going to fall. 
Warfare praying begins by praying against Satan. When's the last time have you taken up an onslaught hand-to-hand combat and prayer with your enemy? If it didn't happen this morning, it's been too long. You're right pickings for the devil. Are you with me today? I know, I know it, this is not easy content. I know it's not easy to take. I know it's not easy to hear even at times. But you listen to me. I, I am telling you, the devil will do everything he can over the next few minutes to distract you from what God wants you to hear today. And your family's at stake. At stake upon your obedience. Your life is at stake based upon your obedience. And if God said put on the full armor of God, He didn't say if you feel like it, put on the full armor of God. He didn't say if you have time in the morning, do your best to get dressed spiritually. No, He said put on the full armor of God and stand firm against the devil. The second aspect of warfare praying is not only praying against Satan, but it's praying against strongholds. You know anything about praying against strongholds? If you were to walk around this building today and ask many of us what a stronghold was, it would be absolutely astounding to see the variety of opinion or definition. May I point you to God's Word in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read four verses for you today in this passage. The Bible says the following words, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war against according to the flesh. Now you listen to that and leave it up there for a second. I'm walking with the flesh. You got it? You feel it? Touch your hands, your body. We are the flesh. We are walking in the flesh. But we do not war according to the flesh. Meaning that when my flesh gets offended, my flesh does not take action. Did you hear that? When my flesh gets injured, my flesh does not take action. When my flesh gets disappointed, my flesh does not take action. When my flesh receives a shot, my flesh does not give a shot back. Because you see... I'm not in a carnal warfare. I'm not in a fleshly battle. I'm in something a lot bigger than this and this and this and this. I'm in something a lot bigger than this and this and this and this. It's not fleshly warfare. Notice the next verse. For the weapons of our warfare. God's given you some weapons and today I'm going to give them to you before we go. But they're not fleshly weapons. You see, what the world would tell you to do is you take up your fleshly weapons. I mean, if somebody's playing intellectual dynamics with you, you play it back with them. If somebody's accusing you, you accuse them. If somebody comes against you, you come against them. If somebody hurts you, you hurt them. You see what I'm saying? Our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're nothing I can see. They're nothing I can feel. has given me are God-powered. 
There's nothing God-powered about these hands. Nothing God-powered about this body. This body's weak. It's decaying. It's getting older every day. And it's going downhill by the moment. The Bible says they're so God-powered, these weapons that God gives us, that they can destroy these fortresses, these strongholds, if you may. What a word. Next verse. Then the Bible says we are destroying speculations. The speculations of others and the speculations of ourselves. These vain imaginations, you know, you have them. Oh, well, I wonder what he thinks about me. I don't think he likes me. I don't think she likes me. I, I, think, I think this whole thing's bizarre. I think the whole world is, is crazy except for me. I think all of them up there are absolutely nutsola. Except for me. And so all of a sudden we have these vain imaginations, these empty imaginations, these speculations in our mind. And how many times in your life, now be honest, how many times have you imagined something a lot worse than it ever was? Huh? What do you think that is? Oh, well, I'm just playing it safe. I don't want to be disappointed. No, that's the devil, my friend, trying to tell you you're so insecure in who you are, you can't stand ground in Jesus' name, is what he's telling you. So he's going to prep you for not being disappointed. Malarkey. These speculations and every lofty thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. You see, these things come against the knowledge of God. I mean, listen, anything that comes against this Word is against the knowledge of God. Have you thought about this lately? The name Christ means anointed one. Antichrist would be against the anointing. Listen, if God opens His windows of heaven upon your life, or God opens the windows of heaven upon your family, or God opens the windows of heaven upon your church or upon the work of God across the world, there will be a fresh, new, powerful anointing in your life. And you know who will have the biggest problem with that in the world? Other Christians. They don't understand it. Therefore, they become against the anointed. Hello? Against the knowledge of God. And we, however... We are going to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Meaning that when I have some of these vain imaginations, these vain speculations, this erroneous malarkey in my brain or in my heart or in my spirit, and I'm imagining all these things and I'm believing every innuendo ever cast, I'm believing every suspicion ever raised, I'm going to take every one of those thoughts and I'm going to make them captive to obey God. You say this, but God says this. Devil, you say to, to attack my wife, God says to obey my wife. The devil says, claim your ground, Ronnie. Stand on your own. Let everybody know who you are. God says, no, buddy. You keep your mouth shut and let's let God see who you are. You follow me? And we're going to take every thought that is against anything of God anything against the Spirit-filled life, anything against the Word of God, and I'm going to take it captive. I means I'm going to grab it, I'm going to rope it, I'm going to lasso it, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to jerk it, and I'm going to put it under the obedience of God in my life. I refuse to have that kind of thinking. And then the Bible says, and we're ready to punish all disobedience. That's what's going to happen. Every bit of disobedience will be punished one day. 
And it will happen when my obedience is complete. When is my obedience complete? When Jesus comes again. Not bad, huh? We're to pray against Satan. We're to pray against strongholds. Now what is a stronghold? Let me give you a definition whereby let's operate for a moment here this afternoon or this morning. A stronghold is an area of your life that you've given over to the flesh. And Satan has now placed you into prison over it in your life. I want you to look at that for quite a while this morning. It's an area of your life that you've given over to the flesh. It could be a bad habit. It could be a bad thought, a vain imagination, taking up your rights, taking your will, your desires. Even though they're against the obedience of Christ. And what you've done is you have given over to the flesh. And what you thought, you thought it was no big deal. But the moment you gave over to the flesh, you know what happened? Satan took you and he made you a prisoner of the very thing you gave over to him. And that's why many of you have committed sins after sins after sins you refuse to even repent of. All you do is confess them and ask forgiveness for them, which I have a little theological question. Is forgiveness really happening if repentance is not occurring? I'll let you answer that. But we learn to live with our defeat. We learn to live with this half-hearted, mediocre faith. Wonder why? <laughs> it's because Satan, our enemy, the devil, old slanderer, malice thrower, slewfoot, Lucifer, sorry old dog, whatever you want to call him, he has manipulated you, he has deceived you, and you've got habits, you've got ways in your life that you now think as, well, it's just me. Live with it, buddy boy. And Satan's come in and he's taken that captive and he's built this fortress up in your heart. And every time you disobey God, what His Word says, He gains a little more ground. Therefore, you don't think there's any victory to it. That's a stronghold. Let me give an example this morning. It's a visual example. You see this cloth up here? Along these screens and all? Now, the, what you see is the cloth. It's, it's nice. It's pretty. It's been finished well. But you cannot see what's behind the cloth, can you? If you don't know what's behind the cloth, this organ, when it's played, has speakers that come out through there and they just penetrate this auditorium. Now, if we were to take the cloth down, we'd be able to see all that activity happening. That's what a stronghold is. Let me give you the reality today. The reality is this. It's the real issue. The real issue is the difference between what you see and what God sees. The difference is between what you see and what God sees. I see the cloth. I know what's behind that cloth because I've been up there some time ago and if y'all haven't moved it, it's still up there. 
That's what a stronghold is. It's the difference between what I see and what God sees. Now, what do I mean, Pastor? Well, let's talk about what you see. What you see is worry. What God sees is a stronghold. What you see is fear. What God sees is a stronghold. What you see is guilt. What God sees is a stronghold. What you see is bitterness. Somebody hurt your feelings. You refuse to forgive them. Satan came into your life. He built up ground in your heart. And now you got this root of bitterness in you. It doesn't matter what that person does. You just hate their guts. In fact, what happens is you become so consumed with that, you're becoming worse than they are. It's all a tactic of the devil. But God sees it as a stronghold. What you see is unforgiveness and lust. What you see is pornography. What you see are movies that are that are wrong and ungodly. What you see is broken relationships. This person hurts me, or this person and I we don't get along, or this person over here, or my wife, my kids, we don't we don't go out anymore. It's over. We see broken relationships. We see bad habits. You know, cursing, drinking, smoking, chewing, etc., etc., whatever you want to say. I'm not going to get into all that stuff. What you see are bad habits that don't glorify God. That's not what God sees. What you see is adultery. God doesn't see adultery. What you see is homosexuality. God doesn't see homosexuality. What you see is drugs. What you see is gossip. What you see is backbiting. What you see are multiple other sins and multiple other things that you know are simply not right. But that's not what God sees. You know what God sees? God sees that sometime in your life you handed over a specific area of your life and you gave in to one of those thoughts that you did not take captive to God's obedience. And what's happened now is the devil has claimed a specific area of your life. You made a choice, and it was a wrong choice. And the moment you did, you handed over territory to the devil. Listen to me. You say, Pastor, you're not talking like the counselor I'm attending. That's what's wrong with most counselors. They don't counsel from the Word of God. They counsel from what they think is best. The moment you did, you handed the territory over to the devil. And now that that territory has been nurtured, you know how that territory is nurtured? By you staying in that habit, staying in that sin, continuing in that disobedience. And you know what you have today? It's a stronghold. It's a fortress. It's something that you've given over to the flesh and Satan has placed you into prison. Oh, what you see are those that beautiful cloth. What you see is your sin. You see the gossip and you see a lust and you see adultery and you see pornography and you see this and you see that. But if you could tear down that cloth, I'll tell you what you'll see, buddy, from God's perspective. You'll see a stronghold and you'll find the devil there. And he'll be there in your mind and he'll be there in your will and he'll be there in your emotion. He'll be there. What must happen is that we've got to deal with it. This stronghold stands against the power of God. 
And that's why you do not think it can be delivered at times. You don't even want it to be delivered because you've gotten so used to and accustomed to it. You just love your sin. In fact, I tell people this all over the country. I am convinced today that most Christians I know are more interested in learning how to manage their sin effectively than they are in overcoming their sin. Now listen, you've refused somewhere along the way to surrender to God, or if you've tried, you not know how to do it. And therefore, today, you accept it as norm in your life. You see, what you see is a surface problem. What God sees is a spiritual problem that indicates that the devil has a hold on you mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. You say, Pastor, does that mean the devil can possess a Christian? No, a devil cannot ultimately possess a Christian, but the devil can obsess you. He can oppress you. He can take captive you in many areas of your life, any area you give over to him. These vain imaginations or speculations are attitudes that come against the knowledge of God, against His church, against His work around the world. And we've got to understand they're wrong and we've got to take them captive to the obedience of Christ. Now in closing today, listen carefully. God has given you the weapons of your warfare and these weapons can destroy any stronghold. It doesn't matter what the stronghold is. I don't care if you've been in it 50 years, brother. I don't care if you've been in it 25 years, sister. I don't care, kids, if you think you are so in the trap of it. I mean, you know what it is? The world tells you what you're going to do is going to set you free. But let me tell you what God says it's going to do. It's going to put you into slavery. Paul said it to the church at Rome. If you want to find out who you serve, you find out who you obey more. You obey the flesh or you obey God. What are these weapons? You better listen carefully today. I'm telling you, I am giving you so much artillery today, you can blow his head off anytime you choose. The problem is many of us even know what I'm going to say, and we still don't use our weapons. There are five. Number one, the name of Jesus. You stand firm against the devil in the name of Jesus. You come against that stronghold in the name of Jesus. Number two, the blood of Jesus. You want to make the devil mad, you sing about the blood. You want to make the devil mad, you preach about the blood. You want to make the devil mad in prayer, you just remind him you're covered totally without within by the blood of Jesus Christ and you stand alone in the grace of Almighty God. Thirdly, the Word of God. I want to tell you today, you have one offensive weapon in your artillery. And you had better wake up church and learn it and grow in it and mature in it and use it. And it's the word of the living God. Anything he says to you, you give him back the truth. Anytime false comes to you, you lay the truth out of there. The word of God is what the key is. Fourth is the word of your testimony. I want to tell you something, my friend. The devil hates your testimony. That's why so many of us have a problem witnessing. It's not that we don't know how to witness. It's that the devil's witness convinces us we don't know how or we can't. Because he knows every time you tell someone what Jesus has done for you, he cannot refute that because he knows Jesus has done that for you. And he knows the moment you tell some lost soul out here about how Christ saved you, changed you, made you a new person, and they're out here lost, degenerate on their way to hell. They hear that. They say, man, that's good news. They embrace it. They get saved. He knows he lost another one. The word of our testimony. And number five, the fifth weapon is to not love my life even when facing death. 
You see what the problem is in this room today with most of us, if not the vast majority of us, is that we love our life. We love it. And what we try to do, we try to preserve our reputation. We try to preserve all matters of hand. We do not want anyone to think ill of us, which none of us like that. But we do everything we can claiming our rights, preserving our life. I mean, if we would be in the book of Daniel and we would be Daniel, some of us would try to be negotiating with a bunch of lions in the den. If we would have been Noah, we'd have been afraid to build the boat because everybody was making fun of us. You think everybody was fired up about Noah building a boat? Hey, Noah, what you do? Well, I'm building a boat. Why are you building a boat? Noah, well, God's going to send the flood. He's going to judge the world. He's going to send the flood. Ha, 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 ha. If you'd have been with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you'd have been walking around the fire. Many of you saying, ooh, this sure is hot in here. Get me out of here. I didn't bargain this with you, God, when I got saved. If many of us would have been like Job, we'd have never come to the reality that Job came to when God finally nailed him right between the eyes. And God said to him, Job, let me tell you something, buddy. You spent this whole time asking me questions, accusing me of this. And he said to him, he said, listen, Job, where were you when I founded the heavens and the earth? And he said, let me ask you a bunch of other questions. And he nailed him time and time and time again. And Job finally gave up. And Job said, God, I've been wrong. I've been trying to run the universe. I've been trying to take life in my hands. And God, I repent. And he sat in dust and ashes, repenting of his sin before God. And the Bible says that even though he lost everything, once he repented, God prospered him more and gave him more. Listen to this. More in the second half of his life than he had in the first half of his life. Many of us would have been with Peter, James, and John in the garden. We'd have said, man, guys, this would be a little better if we had us a mattress. If we'd have been with Peter, we'd have been there debating right with those soldiers. Oh, no, man, I don't know anything about him. I don't have a clue. I've never seen the guy. If we'd have been there in the early church, some of us would have been there with Ananias and Sapphira. We'd be dead, but we'd be there. We'd be telling God, hey, I don't, I don't God, I don't owe you anything. God said, no, buddy, I told you when you sell your property, you give it all. I told him I gave it all. That's the problem. You lie. You live in hypocrisy. And you know what? If we don't honor God, I'll tell you what we are. We're hypocrites. If we don't honor God with at least one-tenth of all God's given us, we're hypocrites. We're masking a life. We're untrue. We're unfaithful. And we need to be right with God. And see, many of us, even in that area, we claimed our ground. We said, well, I can't afford it. Well, I can't do this. Well, I can't do that. We're fighting a war with the flesh, with the flesh. That's not the way God says fight a war. God says you obey me and I'll open the windows of heaven for you. Now, either you're going to believe that or you're not. If you're not, why don't you quit coming to church and just quit life at all? I mean, if that's not true, then John 3.16 is not true and I'm a sham. This is a sham. It's all a sham. Right or wrong? Well, you... He said, boy, I don't understand what's wrong with him today. And see, even when I'm facing death, I've got to be willing to love my life. No, I can't love my life. You don't think I want to take up for myself sometime? You don't think I want to 
make me look better sometimes? Sure I do. Just like you do. And everything you struggle with, I struggle with. I'm no better than you. All of the prophets before us have struggled in the same capacities. Every one of them. They're not a bunch of glorified gods. They're a bunch of ordinary men that God determined to do extraordinary things through. And that's what God wants us to do. He said, where in the world did you get all this stuff? I'll tell you where I got it. Read the book. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore also God highly exalted him, meaning Jesus, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that means even the demons, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. His name is powerful. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The word of God is powerful. Revelation 12.11, and they overcame him, the devil, because of, listen to it, the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. And if we will do those things, let me tell you what will happen. We will overcome the devil. Many of you today, you've got strongholds all over your life. You've learned to live with them. You've accepted them. You thought that's what the Christian life is about. Let's say this morning you deal with fear. Anybody here deal with fear? Anybody here deal with, with wondering what's going to happen tomorrow and, and fretful about it? Devil, I come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I remember back years ago, devil, when I was a little boy, fear began to be instilled with me because a lot of fear is taught rather than learned. And Lord... I have accepted this in my life, but today what I've done, I have so given in to the devil about fear. I fear about my kids sometime. I fear about my future sometime. I fear about my church sometime. I fear about everything there is. And God, today in Jesus' name, I stand against that fear and I attack it by the Word of God. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I tell you today, I've gotten victory over it before and I refuse to receive it as victory today. I want your victory today. It will not overcome me today. For if God be for me, who can be against me? Neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor anything present or anything to come. For nothing is able to separate me from the love of God which is in Jesus Christ my Lord. And you stand your ground against the devil. It doesn't matter whether it's fear, whether it's worry, whether it's lust, whether it's adultery, whether it's pornography. It doesn't matter what it is. I want to tell you today, Jesus Christ is the truth and He came that you might be free. And if you will trust the truth today, He certainly can make you free. Satan's for real. He's your only enemy. He plays for keeps. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your church. He wants to destroy the work of God across the world. He wants to destroy your friendships. He wants to occupy territory of your life and make it strong. But I wonder how many of us today have a stronghold who we need to pray against in our life. 
How many of us today, we've been battling, we've been battling people. Let's stop battling people. Let's battle the devil. How many of us have a stronghold we need to battle against today? How many of you have the power of some struggle going on in your life today? How many of you today need to pray against Satan? How many of you today need to pray against some stronghold in your life? How many of you today would finally, once and for all, love to be delivered from some of those strongholds in your life? I want to tell you today, it can happen when you do warfare, praying. Is that what you like? That's what I want. Would you bow with me right now all across the building? I want to ask everyone to remain seated. I'm going to ask that no one leave, move, or talk unless you need to leave to go to work. Unless you need to leave to do one of our Mission Northwest Arkansas Bible studies off campus. I wonder how many Christians are here today. You need deliverance from some stronghold in your life. In a moment, what I want you to do is I want you to bring the Word of God and I want you to bring the outline to this message today. And I want you to kneel here at the front of this church, or you can come and stand in front if you can't kneel. And I want you to do warfare praying. In a moment, we're going to sing that song that we closed with a moment ago, that chorus that we sang. How marvelous is your name? Because we're not going to tolerate the devil in this place anywhere today. We're going to, we're going to be here until God does what He wants to do in our lives. And I ask you this morning, as Christians, would you lead the way? See, some of you need to go get that teenager, that, that, that husband or that wife or that friend that something's wrong with and somewhere the devil's come in and energized activity that's conflictual rather than harmonious driven. And you need to come and do warfare praying with it. You need to be freed from the pride that many of you feel because for some of you to ever come publicly, you say, boy, I never do that. That's pride. That's a stronghold. And you need to give up. You need to let go and let God do what He wants to do. But there are many of you here today, you're lost. If you were to die today, you'd spend eternity in hell. You're separated from God. And your future is very bleak unless Jesus comes into your life. If you're a child, a teenager, an adult today, and you want to be saved, there will be pastors at the end of each aisle today. And I'm going to ask you to come to one of those pastors and say to them, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. I want to be saved. Many of you are visiting this church and you believe God is leading you to join the First Baptist Church of Springdale. Then I invite you today to come to present yourself to one of our pastors today and say, yes, God is leading me. God is leading my family to join this fellowship. And I want you to come to one of our pastors today. Now, pastors, because there's so many people already coming, step up to the right of the aisle. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you do in this place what you want to do? All these people, God, have already moved. They've already come as obedience to Christ and what He said in their heart. And I pray today in the name of Jesus for them. Would you help them to have victory? Hear their prayers today, God. May they do prayer against Satan and prayer against the strongholds today. And I pray in Jesus' name, Father, 
For every lost person here today who's headed for a devil's hell, I tell you right now, devil, they don't, they don't belong to you. Christ chose them for salvation. And may they be saved today in Jesus' name. And I pray for people who need a church home, God. Lord, I pray you'd draw them from the east, the west, the north, and the south. People who can help this ministry be what it needs to be for God. I pray you'll call them into this fellowship right now. Right now, will you come? If you want to be saved today or you believe God is leading you to join this church, stand to your feet and come to one of our pastors right now. If you're here today and you are right now, you are right now feeling God is leading you to pray against a stronghold, to pray against the devil in your life or something in your life, come to this altar right now. Put down your pride. Deal with what's going on in your life, man. This isn't games. This isn't fiction. It's not fantasy. It's real. You come right now. Would you come? You come. Who is God speaking to today? You come. You come today. If you need to come today to be saved, if you need to come to join this fellowship, you come to one of our pastors right now. Now right now, before we sing, I want everybody out here to look at me for a moment. In the name of Jesus today, I stand against any activity of the devil that's been going on against your life. And in the name of Jesus and by the precious blood of Christ, I stand against any stronghold that has deceived any of you. And may today be your day of victory, your day of release, your day of liberty, your day of being set free from the things that have so weighted you down all of the last few days of your life. In Jesus' name, receive what He wants you to receive today because I'm telling you, we're going to make the devil mad here for the next few